Welcome to episode four of 10 Bound Research Labs, hosted by Derek Williams. Today's special guest for episode four is the CEO and founder of Alice, Greg Siegel. Derek starts off this episode by asking Greg to share how he made the jump from working for somebody else into starting Alice, what motivated him. It's a really interesting story. Greg goes over the explosion of the corporate gifting market and his predictions for the future there. Some really interesting and compelling things happening in that space. As the episode continues, Derek has Greg detail the ins and outs of how users engage with Alice and the issues it solves for its users that are trying to make an impact with a special gifting experience to their prospects. At the 35 minute mark, Greg goes over something that is on every CFO's mind when it comes to corporate gifting. How do we control the spending? A fantastic answer comes from Greg on this one. And as we get to the end of the episode, Greg and Derek speak about the power of listening to frontline conversations and keeping a pulse on what's happening in the different outreach channels. A really, truly refreshing point of view to hear coming from a CEO and founder of a company like Alice. This is a monumentally value-packed episode detailing cutting-edge technology in a space of sales development that's quite frankly not talked about enough. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review. Enjoy episode four of 10 Bound Research Labs hosted by Derek Williams featuring Greg Siegel, CEO and founder at Alice. Hi, everyone. This is Derek Williams with 10 Bound, and you're listening to the 10 Bound Research Labs series, where we're hyper-focused on investigating and speaking with the most advanced technologies that are out there today that are driving success for sales development teams. And today, I actually have the pleasure of interviewing a very special guest, Greg Siegel. He is the CEO and founder of Alice. Alice, you know, they are a smart gifting platform. They're a technology company first, but they are leveraging the most relational channel available to us as salespeople. And I'm deeply curious about this subject, guys, because calling, emailing, and the traditional channels of like LinkedIn as well, those three core channels that we're all using today are clogged. They're busy. It's hard to get through. And Alice has a way to really help us get through on the side of that, outside of those traditional channels. So I'm deeply keen on this. The reason we're talking today actually is we had a 10-bound client that reached out to us, Greg, and they we're wanting to get our opinion on, you know, this space and potentially moving vendors. They are with a, a company today where they were using their service and they were thinking about moving over to Alice and they thought, you know, what was our, our feedback? And I believe they're they're moving forward with that transition. And I just thought it would it made sense at that time to reach out to you, have this conversation and share with our listeners all the great things Alice is doing. So thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much, Eric. Nice to be here. 
Now, you've been with Alice. You started Alice six years ago, and I think you've been a founder CEO twice before this. So I'm really interested to start off with your background and, and learn how you got to this point and that ethos story, if you will. There's a, a specific inflection point that I like to hone in on when, when we do these background checks, and that's when you moved from the CEO founder role at CFIT in 2015 and just three months later rapidly started Alice. I'm curious, what was that transition like? What prompted that? Can you give us the background? Yeah, sure. So my first company I started almost on a necessity when I was 19. I was in college to put myself through college during that period. And at BU, as you can imagine, it was very expensive. So as an art student, I was trying to figure out what to do (laughs) in terms of making money, fell in love with computer science and, you know, really, really took the reins on that. So that was an agency, it was fully bootstrapped, ran that company for a little over 10 years in December of 2012, ended up selling that company as we were doing some of the largest e-commerce implementations in the world. And when I was looking at the next company to start, I was really enamored by being a product-based CEO, going from an agency-based CEO to a product-based CEO. And so I was looking around for different e-commerce related industries and ideas and this concept around CFIT came around, you know, which was very e-commerce-y. How do you take content and match it with commerce and then allow people to buy using you know, influencers and, and content that was in there? The problem and stupidity of that was that I didn't really do that much user research you know, around it. It was more my own personal you know, want and need. Got it. So the real inflection point to sort of you know, jump and skip past that was I found out my wife was finally pregnant and we we're going to have our daughter. Wow. And, you know, you go from this very me centric world, you know, as we've talked before, you know, in this to a very much like, how do I make the world a better place for this little nugget, you know, who I know is going to be entering the world and, and, you know, do everything for her. And that's been my entire passion, you know, ever since this came around. So I very quickly changed my mindset and thought about, you know, if that company, which I was considering my product based MBA was not going as fast as I wanted it to, what was another, impactful business that I can be starting that's tangentially related that could really form, you know, form this basis of really wanting to create impact. And I was not as an intentional with CFIT as I really was, or even with one Pika, my first business, you know, that I started. So the whole thing was born around intentionality and saying, I wanted three key things, you know, key pillars of impact and giving that I wanted to be at the center of it. The first was how do you make giving, which is such an important facet of business, the way to make authentic connections inside of business. And as you said before, the relational channel of gifting is by far and away, when you put money on the table, it fundamentally changes the relationship. And we we can cover more about that as you you think about it, if it's done right. The second pillar was how do you give back to the planet? So how do you build sustainability in a industry that's just wrought with waste, right? There's so much garbage. Nobody needs any more squish balls or mouse pads or pens or, you know, how many water bottles, you know, that we, we all have right now, right? As we go through it. And the final one was how to get back to those need. And so the entire business model that I wanted to create with Alice was built around those three pillars of giving. And that feeds into the ethos and the DNA of every person that joins the business and how we really, you know, think about impacting it. And that's how we also drive into the SDR side and the, you know, the BDR side of trying to help them create impact with you know, relationships that they're actually trying to make Absolutely. too. More meaningful. That's tremendously transformative. I You hear a lot of different stories and there's a lot to unpack there. I think we could probably host a whole discussion on just mm-hmm. that going from an agency model to a product-based CEO, that transition, I'm sure. And it sounds like very intentional, but 
having the child really just change the mindset and have you be more thoughtful of the customer in the product that you're developing. I mean, that, there's a lot, that, that, there's a lot of meaning there. So kudos to you and kudos to you for, you know, installing those core values within the employee base as well. I think that goes to what we're going to talk about a little bit today. I think we're going to talk a lot about how do we acquire customers through gifting, but let's not forget that a big percentage of that market is also internal in, in helping improve employee relations as well. So it sounds like you're very mindful about that. That's, that's very cool. Speaking about the market, there was an article that I, I read briefly before jumping on our recording, and, and it's a Forbes article, some, some research conducted by CoreSight, CoreSight Research, that is. And there were some really interesting data points in there, and I, I think you know about this article as well. We were kind of talking about some stuff that we had picked up on it. The market for corporate gifting is growing tremendously. I imagine there's some challenges in that in the current state of affairs that we, I, w- I would like to unpack at some point, but... The number is astounding, like $240 billion in the next 40 years. I would have never thought it was that big of a market. But I think, can we just start there and just why is the market growing so tremendously from $120 billion to $240 billion in the next four years? What's happening in this space? Yeah, that's the last four years it's grown. If you think about it, mm. it's growing at about an 8.1% CAGR, no compound annual growth rate. So yep. it's going to be closer to $400 billion over the next seven years. Jeez. And it's one of the most under, you know, I mean, you see a lot of money is flowing into the space right now because this space has been very analog and very wrought with inefficiencies and also super fragmented, you know, over the past. So it's either like, think about it in terms of, you know, the, the audience for, for this podcast SDR is going and buying their own stuff and expensing it and sending stuff through, or people during, you know, holidays or events, just buying huge masses and bulks of stuff where like you send stuff to me, I'm a fitness and, you know, nutrition nut and like, don't send me cupcakes and cookies and, you know, brownies, which I get all the time, which is hilarious. My wife is fine with that, but it's, you know, it's a negative, it's a negative impact. Yeah. More pieces. Right. But so what you have to look at is when you look at the, all the other channels of how you communicate and interact with people, the most connective experience is when you get together face-to-face outside of that is when you invest money between two individual people and how that's done is very, very important in terms of how you decide and, and determine the psychology and the emotional connection you make with that individual person. It's very, very easy to look at somebody and say, I've invested time into them. You can look at an email. Do they invest time or am I part of a cadence, you know, or a sequence inside of a system? Like Mm -hmm. I have my, my assistant at this point now is just literally marking every email as spam. Like I get hundreds, you know, sometimes a day in terms of people trying to prospect and, you know, send stuff to me. And I even have her checking my LinkedIn messages now, you know, just as you know. So when you invest, you know, when you're thinking about gifting, or swag or kidding or events or other elements that are surrounding your investment between two people, it's the most relational thing you can do. So the space on top of COVID having to fundament, have fundamentally changing the trends of where people are mean that creating those relationships is much harder because you don't know, are they working at home? Are they in an office? Right. So the corporate gifting space specifically over the last year and a half has just exploded because people are saying, well, how do I get the attention? How do I leverage that as a channel to get to know somebody better? Mm -hmm. And the whole experience around Alice was built around that six years ago when I did the first like prototype, you know, in six weeks and like put it, put out the experience around like the power of choice. You don't care about the gift. You care about the behavior and the action that happens on the other side of that gift and how you're deepening the relationship. 
but you can also turn that into the ultimate spam channel as well, except it's way more expensive. <laughs> so you have to think about how do you programmatize it. So that's where technology and a lot of the money is coming into the space, which is how do you not think about this as like the you know, chintzy $5 gift card, you know, to take a meeting type of a thing, which is what you're seeing prevalent in the marketplace right now. Mm-hmm. How do you actually think about the right place, the right time, why you're doing it and using that as a way to learn about somebody and who they are and use that as a leverage point to actually do that. And that's the whole Alice ethos and the mantra around everything we do, whether it's gifting, swag, kidding, whatever it might be. We facilitate all the physical aspects of the stuff there, but the end of the day is the experience. You want it to be seamless as possible and really focused on the recipient. That is the fundamental thing. You nail the recipient, you get the action that you're looking for, especially as an SDR or a BDR that's there. Absolutely. And I think one thing we're going to dive into is how we personalize this approach, which is what you're essentially talking to. And that's where we step into that relationship. But I want to go back real quick and just do a quick call out for our SDRs and SDR leaders out there. You just heard a CEO describe the layers of defense to salespeople right? We have new layers, guys, right? They're, we have assistants that are screening our emails and screening LinkedIn messages. And I think, and you're going to hear this in another podcast that's going to come out shortly, but you know, I was speaking with an executive not too long ago. We're not picking up our phones anymore. Local caller ID has created a situation and with you know the spam numbers going up tremendously, it's the call channel, the phone channel, if you will, is even more challenging than it ever has been with compliance and different things that are going on there. So people aren't answering their phones. We're screening emails and LinkedIn. This channel has just become even more paramount. But, you know, there's concerns there, right? I mean, if I'm a CFO and I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, wow, this is super expensive. If I'm an SDR, you know, listening to this, I would love to send things to people, but what do I send and how do I do it? So I noticed actually you guys have 30,000, 35,000 different items in your marketplace. I mean, is that correct? That sounds like a yeah. like a lot of stuff to be sending. I mean, so we can't just send anything. There's a specific menu that you have curated. Yeah. So when Alice started, there was a couple of things that were really important and you just hit upon a couple of them. If you're an SDR, if you're an SDR leader, BDR, ADR, whatever you want to call it, right? Your time is your most valuable asset. Mm. You want to associate the time you're investing into quality, not quantity. There's a quantity game you can play and there's ways of gaming the system, but it only works for so long. And you can just, even in my CEO circles, like the 40, 50 CEOs, you know, that are in sort of the direct circle that I'm I'm usually talking to on a regular basis, we all have those defenses up Mm -hmm. and it's starting to trickle down to each individual, you know, layer that's down below as well. You get to the VP levels, you get to directors, senior directors, you know, even like manager levels now that are starting to, you know, starting to to facilitate that people can reap like, Take this high-level concept. Let's let's forget about gifting in a second here, and then we'll use this as a as a conduit to talk about how to personalize gifting. But it works for anything. Two things people can actually understand that you're investing in them: time or money. If you invest time, it's very obvious to see whether something is quality or not. If you invest money and not time, then it's very easy to see that it's just it's generic. You're just part of something, and it's even more easy to sift that out because you're like, okay, cool, I got the box of crap that nobody actually wants, you know, type of a scenario. If you invest time and money, that's the ultimate power. So everything with Alice, bringing it back to that, was how do we reduce the amount of time it takes for an SDR to make it feel like it's a one-to-one experience, even at scale? The same thing for a marketer who can also act as an SDR and help be the SDR's best friend to help automate some of those things and trigger them as the SDR to make their lives that much even that much easier, whether they do it through map systems or SDRs are doing it through sales engagement platforms, you know, that are there. 
So that's a super important concept around personalization. Now, taking it back to your, your second point that you just had, if you're personalizing the message and the way that you connect the gift that you're sending and the marketplace we've created was built to curate, find information, and make it as easy as possible for you to be able to actually send those things off to the right people at the right place at the right time. That was it. And otherwise, if you're just sending the thing off to try and be kitschy and just saying, well, I'm going to send anything from Amazon. Well, what your CFO better be super nervous and any regulated industries better be super nervous that you're like, what is this person sending me like a wrestling belt for or something random that you're like, this has nothing to do with our brand, nothing to do with our business. And so everything we've built has been very much around how does the brand have control, make sure the SDR has the power to make it feel personal, and then make sure that that experience is as seamless and tracked as, as much as possible so that the time is there. I got to imagine the SDR could probably get themselves in trouble or a company in trouble, like sending something that's you've crossed some bounds. Like personal gifting is different from corporate gifting. We all, mm -hmm. I'm sure, get that. There's a, there's a layer of complexity that goes into corporate gifting that we have to be mindful of, and we don't want to offend people. And, you know, there's jokes that don't go over well with certain people. And, you know, so it sounds like the marketplace that you have helps not just through the function of what you have going around auxiliary, but it's the actual items themselves ensure that we're kind of playing it safe. Is that right? 100%. There's very personal things in there. Mm -hmm. The way that our technology and all the machine learning and the AI that we built into the system has been built with six years of data and, you know, millions of gifts in the system that are basically telling and figuring out what is the right gift to send for the right person. Mm -hmm. Because, and what we've realized over the years too, is it used to be very much the story was get the perfect gift and send it to the right person, you know, at that time. And it was like, you border on this creepiness factor. It's the same thing as if somebody was able to go back and be like, you know, finding out some obscure detail about some person and then using that in there. You're kind of like, how did you know I have a kid? You know, were you like what, looking at my eye photos? Like what was, you know, what was going on there? I was you know, prom king. But you had you went back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was never prom king. Guys. So, I wasn't either. So don't worry <laughs> about it. So that's an important, you know, facet to this as well, which is it's about a gift that's going to resonate and have some sort of a connection between you and some of the things that work. And this is where it's important. The SDR has to have some sort of an emotional connection to the thing they're sending off. If they're just, if you're just doing it because it's an activity, right. then it's going to become less and less effective as time goes on. I will tell you, it works in some cases, right? And there are some SDRs who are amazing at being able to like sequence and cadence and figure out the right, like you know, ways of getting to the right personas and stuff that's in there. And there is a piece in, in art, in art and science to that. When it's with gifting, it's really important that that's tied together in a tight thread. For example, if I'm sending something to you, I might say like, oh, you know, it's getting cold out. This has been something that I've always wanted is this like heated, you know, boot heater or something like that, you know, like, hey, this is something you might like, but Alice allows you to exchange for anything else on the marketplace. So you might choose something for your kid, like Kiwi Crate, which is what I do all the time for my daughter. And like now all of a sudden your daughter's happy. You've picked something that you actually want. You've saved the planet from, you know, the sustainability aspect and that's it. Or most people, or like I'm doing now is like, you just donate the value to a charity of your choice, right? Uh -huh. That's well, look, the other piece you're, talk, you're talking the power of choice. This is what you're talking to right now. And I think there's a piece that anybody who hasn't used a tool like this before is missing because, you know, let's envision an SDR at their desk in front of Salesforce. They're, you know, they're looking at their CRM, looking at their list of target accounts and they're saying, okay, here's a primed person that I want to go after. I've looked at them on sales nav. I've done my research 
I'm going to go to Alice and I'm going to pick something. Here's their address. I pull it from CRM and just blast it off blindly. No, 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 no. That's not what's happening, right? We're not just, we're not just shipping things or mailing things. Right? There's an interaction that's happening between the sender and the receiver, which is creating this dynamic I think you're talking about, if I'm not correct here. And I think the user experience is the piece that some of the listeners just want to double click on so we're not, we don't miss that piece, is that there's an exchange that happens Right. You send in an invite, if you will, I believe, to a prospect. They receive that, open it. They go to the marketplace and that's where they have this interaction you're talking about. Correct. Yeah. The key thing there, and this is also going back to your CFO comment before, one of the problems of gifting in the past has been, I'm just sending something off blindly to these specific people. I go down the street, I buy a bunch of stuff and I just send it off. You know, the problem with that is that you don't know whether it's going to land. You're paying for the item and there's no ability for the person, you know, like you're going to miss 65% of the time. Like our exchange rate and donation rate, if you add those two things up is 65% of the time, 63, 65, depends on the month, you know, as you look at it, it depends on the use case. So that should tell you everything. Like you're wasting 65% of the money, not on top of the process you're wasting as an SDR to actually go and source it. So what Alice does is say it's in Salesforce, say it's in sales loss, say it's an outreach, whatever it might be. You click a button and it literally pulls it up and says, here's the things you might want to send. Here's three options. Pick which one you want and then add your notes and you can have those templatized already, you know, with some like key, key things and you hit go and you're done. And then the person goes through and does all the other magical stuff, connects you, the sales rep connects their calendar, calendar gets booked either for them or the AE, however you want to set it up in Alice. Just, it's all about efficiency. Like, and it's all about making it feel one-to-one. And now that the, the power of choice and that experience is flipped around, the end recipient is investing time and now is emotionally connected to the process. Exactly. And now they're not saying, oh, thanks for the brownies, me. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like that's, you obviously don't know me and that's actually a negative, you know, impact. No, or on me. Yeah, it's the opposite effect you were looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. So how do you deal with gifting policies though? I know a lot of the SDRs are listening to this or are you know, dealing with enterprise accounts that might be in regulated industries where, you know, they, they're prevented, buyers are prevented from accepting anything over say $20 or something from a vendor. How do you deal with those policies? So you have a couple of things. One is that Alice has built in budgeting processes and campaigns where you can set highest value things that can actually be exchanged or donated for, you know, in, inside the system. And when you look at sending things off to these individual places, Donations helps to get you around that too, because you're actually donating on the behalf of the end customer. And that helps to get you get around those regulated industries. And because you're sending an invite, the person can write back and decline it and tell you the reason why. So you know Walmart can't accept anything, Apple can't accept anything, Coca-Cola can't accept anything, right? So you want to, but the impression is there, you know, for, mm-hmm. for those types of things. Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand, you know, the market you're going into finance, insurance, healthcare, pharma, you know, education, government, those are very regulated industries in those specific cases. Most of those, like it's a $25 cap. So we always, we have our best practices and you just assign the campaigns to those caps so that you can be aligning around what those gifting policies are for those specific organizations. And that's part of our onboarding. And that's part of the whole entire process as we, as we build out the system. Very thoughtful. Okay. Very good. And you know, one thing that's near and dear to my heart, just because of a previous role I've held, is the actual delivery mechanism and actually the efficacy in reaching people today, right? Mm-hmm. We're working from home. We're not in dedicated offices anymore. Everybody's 
in locations that, I mean, obscure addresses, residentials, mm-hmm. nothing like commercial addresses, right? So how does one ensure that what they're sending reaches the right person? Is there, how are you validating all the U.S. addresses across, and this is, I imagine, domestic only, or are we going global? Global. It's global. Okay. So, wow. so one of the things to note about Alice is that since day one, there's been different product types in the marketplace. And this is also, you know, whether you're bringing in swag or kidding or whatever we're doing with all the other partners that we have that allow you to actually expand the catalog, right? We have our like core catalog, we have our swag on demand, and we also have like our partners that can do this on, you know, millions of dollars worth of, you know, swag in, in some cases for customers, you know, in that case, or tens of millions in a couple of cases. So one of the things that's important to understand is the experience can track, is it a physical product where we actually need your address? But the experience always was show them the product, the invite, let them see it, let them see the marketplace. And then if they choose a physical product, then ask them for an address. The way that all the other technologies in the space are handling it right now are, I'm going to send this creepy email from a 22 or 23-year-old SDR BDR who says, hey, I've got something to send to you. Can you give me your address? Think about what I'm going to say to that. Like that is the (laughs) creepiest thing that you can do. And we've always thought, you know, anything with Alice has always been the recipient first. If you always put the recipient first, everything else falls into place, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you need the workflow and the efficiencies we've talked about with the, you know, the sales development teams and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if you put the recipient first, that is what's going to help you show that it's a one-to-one experience and you care about them. So the experience, we don't collect addresses, first of all, unless it's absolutely necessary. And secondarily, it stays within our systems. Like that's a very big privacy. You know, we've always exactly. had privacy by design. Thank you. Yep, yep. Super, super important. Never flows back and to the This is PII systems. we're talking about. This is the most PII. sensitive data. Right. Most sensitive data. You've got to keep that extracted, abstracted from, you know, the, the end customer, which is why with all of our enterprise customers, that's been a big thing since day one in terms of how we've been able to handle that and also, you know, separate out our, separate our data structures. Good goal. Okay. Very good. Well, I think the piece in them providing the address and that being separated out, that's reassuring, right? Because I think any SDR who's spent five minutes prospecting inside their company's CRM, even if you're using a data, third-party data provider, we know no data set is perfect. And so, you know, the data is old, uh, it's not updated. And, you know, if we if I mailed the address that I have on record, it's hit or miss at best. But what you're saying is that we're getting that given from the recipient. They're giving it in that exchange that's happening in between. So that's, and I imagine there's all kinds of like validated stuff happening behind that interaction with third-party data sets and tables that are making sure that these are addresses that are deliverable, right? So that's good. We used to, we used to have for the offices, you know, prior to COVID, we actually had built AI around triangulating and figuring out where somebody was located and what office they were in. Like we had a 98% hit rate in terms of getting people to things to their office. So as people are going back to the office, we're starting to play around back with some of that. So anyway, just some other cool technology that was being no, built No, I mean, out, some of the know, people here, I mean, we're, we're all talking tech here, right? I mean, so are we, yeah. are we t- looking at IP geolocation, triangulated mm-hmm. with like latitudes and longitudes and that sort of thing? That's cool. All right. But hey, now it's it's in a point where, you know, that's it's pretty much foolproof. And again, guys, we don't always have to send a physical gift. We can bypass that issue and allow them to donate and, and do some other stuff. So switching gears a little bit and actually talking more on the technical side, you've mentioned integrations with Salesforce. I think you mentioned integrations with some of the sales engagement platforms as well. 
Where else are you set up to integrate where you have some native integration? So Salesforce, CRM, is there other CRMs? Are there other engagement platforms? What other tools are you integrating with in terms of platform? Native ones we have right now, Salesforce, SalesLoft, Outreach. Those are the big, big ones on the sales side of things. And it's a very deep integration with all three of those right now. So it's we try to make it as like embedded inside of the UI as much as possible in each of those systems, especially with enterprise you know, organizations. For sure. We don't do it using like a Chrome extension. We try and be in the pane of glass. You know, obviously sales loft, that's a big part of their positioning, you know, that, that I think has been, been really brilliant on that front. And the same thing with Salesforce, everything is in there on contacts, leads, opportunities, or accounts. Like you can send gifts on any of those things. I should right? highlight there real quick. And I want to pick up on the integrations where else you're, you're at. I mentioned at the start of this podcast, everyone, that one of the reasons Greg and I are speaking today is that there was a client that reached out to us here at Tenbound asking for some input. And as you all know, we have a market map, we have a directory that's three to 400 companies strong. It's all about sales development, tech and vendor. But they were asking us, you know, who, should we switch off? What do you think about Alice? And the pain that they shared with me in that discussion was that the current provider they were using was exactly what you just described. They were using a Chrome extension flyout as opposed to being fully integrated into Salesforce. And so it created a little bit of friction for their SDRs, which, as we all know, there's these tech stacks are already pretty bloated and you know, marginal gains go a long way when we reduce friction in those workflows. And so being able to have a tool like Alice, where it's fully integrated into the CRM, you don't have to leave to another tab. You don't have to leave to another flywheel, flyout. It's all right there in one pane of glass. I don't think we should, you know, gloss over that too quickly because I think that was, that was a big reason why this large organization with 40 plus SDRs is looking to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was been, you know, part of our integration strategy. There's different approaches. It's either broad and wide or deep, you know, and, mm. and whatnot. We're going much more broadly. That's a big, big play for us, you know, as you'll see as we ending ending this year and going into next year on integrations. But everything is built again around like what's the most efficient experience we can create that allows the most consistency and also is the easiest way for us to, to be inside of those systems of record. Like you don't want to have to bring people out of the experience. Exactly. You don't want to have the bugginess of like, you know, oh, you got to download a different browser. You got to do all these other things that are there. That's been a big, a big push for us. Again, it causes sometimes more work on the integrations, you know, team, yep. but the benefits on the other side of it in terms of adoption, other things have been tremendous in terms of, in terms of, especially when you're seeing some of the switching there. So other integrations, so we have, you know, a bunch of other systems you'll see on the ABM side and then the sales engagement side of things. And then on the map side, the two main ones are Marketo and Eloqua. And we have HubSpot that's coming out very nice. soon, you know, as well as a, as a native integration there too. Well, I should open up a lot a of SMB one. space right there. I know the HubSpot space is, is, you know, pretty large in terms of user install. Yeah. And they have two, they have two pieces, right? Because they have their map system and then they have their SE system. So we're doing integrations to both of those, you know, both of those pieces there as well. So from an from an SDR perspective, the SE side, you know, the HubSpot, the sales hub is the real is the real big piece there. When you think about, you know, doing the same experience as you'd have in Salesforce or inside of any of the other CRMs too. Very good, very good. Well, definitely give Alice a look, folks, for those integrations for your tech stack. I should say a more simplified version there. Let's see. So we talked about the integrations a little bit, but I'm curious, like if I'm Installing, if I have it integrated into my, you know, sales engagement platform, for instance, like where, where does personal gifting come into the sequence, into the touch pattern? Do you think is it the first touch? I don't think so. I mean, I think maybe there could be an extreme case, but you know, where you know, I help clients a lot with you know writing sequences, and we're always trying to be mindful of where we place and plot different messages or questions and subject lines. We're very thoughtful about this. So. 
we have social touches today. We have or the LinkedIn touch. We have the, the call and email touch. Where does the personalized gift touch come in in that sequence? So we have a lot of customers using it for all different aspects through an entire customer lifecycle. But let's stay on the SDR side of things here. Absolutely. First of all, one of the biggest misnomers of gifting right now is that it's a silver bullet. Anyone that buys a gifting platform because they think it's a silver bullet, it's like buying Marketo or HubSpot or Eloqua and saying, yep, got my email system. I'm just going to set up my cadence and boom, magically, you know, all these leads are going to flow in and, or your SE systems, right? You know, so, you know, set up sequences and like magically all these, right. you know, all these uh, conversions are just going to skyrocket and triple. Like it's just not, it's just not going to happen. So when you think of gifting and you start taking things like intent data platforms, like mm-hmm. take Sixth Sense, which is a big customer of ours at Alice. We've done a lot of work with them to integrate gifting into all different stages of the flow that's there. And that comes from both personal gifting and then also, you know, gifting at scale, which are those one-to-many components and and pieces that are there. On the SDR side, never, it's very rare you should do it in the top, top, top of the funnel. Like you will get a lift in terms of conversion and getting people to you, but it's exponentially better when you have any sort of initial intent in terms of when you want to send something off. If somebody, you know, even if it's they've interacted with content okay, or they've interacted with emails attended or they've done an event. something, mm-hmm. attended an event, attended a webinar, downloaded right. some content, right? You know, whatever it is, had a chat with somebody, okay, you know, as, as it goes in there, it's really important. Engage with you on social, whatever it is. Like you use it as a leverage point to actually build lift in terms of that next step that you're trying to do. Now, when you think of Sixth Sense or you think of your different stages of the purchasing process that's inside of there, right? Like you have your awareness, you know, your decision-making process, you know, your purchasing process that's in there, right? Those last two, those decision and purchasing, decision is usually one of the best places to do it. That's stage three, you know, of the process that's there. That's almost one of the best places to do it because there's high intent. You have ability to actually send not to only one person, but to start to get some of the buying group together in terms of how you're using this. And you can even use it as a leverage point to get into procurement and other places, you know, that you want or other, other, you know, departments if you're on the expansion team, for example, you know, as an SDR, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd say like those first two stages definitely like have some sort of intent works much better. The deeper you get into the flow there where you've had multiple interactions, the higher the conversions just skyrocket as you start going through that. that makes it's just much sense. better. And then secondarily, the meeting held rate skyrockets. Because now you've actually built something and somebody's not just thinking about like, oh, well, I've got a gift. Well, I'm just going to be one of the 20% oh, yeah. <laughs> a-holes that just take the gift and run and don't show up to the meeting, which is, you know, an SDR's like biggest, you know, nightmare, yeah. nightmare right? So you always Good think call. about it. It's all those points, you know, as you get into it, like the deeper the relationship and any, you know, interaction points you can create that are really, really important. Now what you can use Alice for too, is you can get some of that research, you can get some of that information to use to do some, you know, behind the scenes Everything you do as an SDR has to be about how am I adding value? Going back to the time and money, how am I showing that I'm investing time and I actually understand the problems of the person and I can talk to those and be able to get that. And it's not just throwing me stats. It's saying, hey, like you said this on blank podcast or you posted this on LinkedIn and I thought about this and like connecting it back to something else. I will respond to those. I will never. And I tell my my assistant that I'm like, if it looks like a template, just flag it as a template or just mark it as spam. I don't care. If the person took some time and mentions anything outside of like the norm, then great. I'll take a look at that at the end of the day, you know? Good call. See you guys. I mean, it's, it just takes a little bit of personalization, a little bit of effort. 
And when look, when you're giving gifts in general, and I've tried to get better at this over the years with my wife and being more thoughtful mm-hmm. about the gift giving, it doesn't change, right? The more thoughtful you can be about your emails and your interactions, the more you can make it about the other person, the more that person wants to work and speak with you, right? And so, you know, I used to give pretty generic gifts and now I've been a lot more time into figuring out what I'm gonna get her for Christmas or Valentine's Day. And it's, you know, it's, I think, done wonders for our relationship. So I think that tactic can help in, in any dialogue. Now, this is all sounding really good. And before I switch, and I wanna just pick a, a little bit about and learn a little bit about your SDR organization. Two final questions. One, if I'm a CFO, again, and I'm listening to this, or you know, someone is holding that budget, this sounds very expensive. It sounds good. It sounds we're gonna we're gonna move the needle at the right time, time, money, the things that you're talking to. But how do you control and ensure that the SDR doesn't run up the bill? You know, like they got the keys, they got the card now, it's integrated. What's stopping them from just blasting everybody? I mean, this is all good advice and good coaching to them, but are there controllables built into the platform to help prevent that? Yeah, hundred percent. So you have multiple levels of, of constructs in terms of how you can actually assign permissions and also like budgets to each individual person. Mm. And actually what works much better is that you're not just blanket giving SDRs, like dozens of gifts to send off per month. You're actually limiting it down to the like few to make sure that it's really well targeted, you know, through that. And then you set KPIs as an SDR leader to help them hit those targets. Super important. Go back to my statement. Gifting is not a silver bullet. Gifting is a program that you integrate in there because you're trying to actually invest in the relationship. And anyone that comes in saying like, okay, we're going to add this into the sequence and we're just going to send this $5 gift card at this specific point to do this thing. It's like, it'll have some impact, but it's kind of pissing money away just to be very frank with you. You know, so when we're going through it, it's very, very important that as you're using an Alice you're thinking about those like very, very, you know, concretely. And this is where our team comes in very handily in terms of the best practices. We're always listening to where's the biggest hole, what's the biggest point of lift that we need to actually influence, and then what's the right strategy to actually do that at multiple stages throughout the sales, you know, the sales process, especially in the SDR and the top, you know, the top middle of the funnel that you're dealing with there and the handoff process. Super, super important that that's done, you know, really, really well there. So direct answer you can directly limit exactly how every single SDR, you can see the reports on every single amount that's been there. And secondarily on the CFO side, you're only charged when a gift is accepted. Okay. So you can send a thousand gifts. If only a hundred are accepted, you're only paying for those hundred gifts. Very good. Very good. And you know, in the opposite, let's say we did hit that limit. I'm sure it's pretty easy to throttle that up and say, Hey, it's working. We're having a success. I know we capped you out. That always happens. You know, let's throttle this up a little bit. Keep sending. So the economy is shifting right now as we speak. We're seeing anybody who's you know paying attention to the news for even five minutes knows that you know we've seen inflation, and you don't have to pay to see the news to know about being hit with the inflation issues. But supply chains across the globe are being impacted, and that's not something an everyday SDR thinks about. I don't think in terms of acquiring new logos and the customers. But when you're relying on a service like this, how is Alice? position from a business model standpoint, out of curiosity, to survive this downturn or this inflation and the supply chain issues that we're, we're seeing around the world? Two points of answering on this question. One is everything we do inside of Alice has always been built around extreme transparency. Like information is power, be as transparent as possible, set expectations, and then trying to exceed those expectations. That's one piece of it. 
The other side has always been try and latch on to the folks that are experts in the industry and partner with those folks that can help us navigate those situations. So a perfect example in this case is like one of our big partners is Staples Promotional Products. They're one of the top two or three largest promotional products companies in the world, right? Doing close to a billion dollars, you know, of promotional products and kidding and stuff. And their sourcing, their sourcing relationships are super deep and getting so much more intel. So we're able to actually go to our customers and we've been able to tell them and keep them very much up to date in terms of what's in stock, what's not in stock. And the same thing with all the merchants we have relationships with, including live inventory lookups and all the type of stuff that's around that. So it's been very helpful to make sure the experience, and again, are we perfect? No, but there's a big difference between our strategy, which has been relying on partners who have been doing it for 60 years and have you know billions of dollars of infrastructure and all the relationships already in place versus trying to own that entire infrastructure and trying to take that because that's where you get into all those problems. Over-promising, under-delivering, not even be able to source things, and that is running rampant right now. And through the holidays too, where the supply chains and the containers, and I'm a huge e-commerce guy, so I've been following that super closely. Really good frontline documentary, by the way, on that. And it's really, really been helpful to us because we've been able to take that extreme transparency with our customers and say, Sorry, no holiday stuff, you know, post what was yesterday, you know, for some of our customers in terms of what they're actually trying to do. And we, we have it limited down to what the abilities are of our customers leading into that and then going into next year as, you know, this is only going to continue to grow. Right, right. Well, thank you for that. And, and yeah. you know, I think it's not something that maybe our SDRs are worried about too much, but if I'm deciding on investing into an Alice platform or a gifting, personalized gifting platform, this is the kind of questions that maybe you guys want to be thinking of asking is how do they set up to sustain this, right? So let's, let's just gears. Let's talk about your SDR team in closing here and I'll let you go. And you have a lot of things to take care of as well. We appreciate your time so far and I would appreciate some insight into your internal sales development operations. I think, you know, the audience would like to learn from how you're set up how big is your team? Is everybody working from home? Where do you go with that? Give me a quick high-level overview of your SDR organization. Yeah, so it's interesting. Our latest SDR leader actually was a former customer, you know, nice. or actually was a customer of Alice. So it's been interesting. A lot of our sales reps and you know our SDR leader were former customers. You know, at some point, a lot of them had left and gone other places. Lot. So like, mm-hmm. we're not trying to steal from our customers. It's like the worst, the worst thing to happen. But, they found us. Know, they didn't. We didn't they go to found them. Us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you're like, okay, that's that's it. But that's been very helpful because they've been able to institutionalize and understand mm. the Alice way of gifting and using that as a way to drive how we actually do our own outreach. Everything we do at Alice, now we do, of course, track activities and you're always looking at, you know, calls and emails and LinkedIn messages and social, you know, social following and interactions inside of there. But we also do the same thing with gifting. And we've also played around with where in the cycle, you know, over the years, gifting has played better. And my answer to you before, in terms of the top of the funnel, we used to do the lead the gift in because it was a good demo of the platform. Right, and we've actually right. taken that away and moved much more towards like the Sixth Sense model, you know, and the way they're doing it, which is downstream in terms of now you have some sort of value that we've been able to add because we've done it in the digital channels, you know, that are there, you know, or voicemails or whatever it is. And then you use gifting as a way to actually facilitate that. So it's cut down on our spend in that case. And we become like experts in terms of how we use that through the SDR process, you know, that's there. And, you know, we, tr- we train quality over quantity, everything we do, everything is about that time and, and money. How do so you your, your SDRs your don't have to make a uh, hundred calls a day or any aggressive stats no. like that? We do track and we do have a threshold that we want them to hit in terms of that, because 
as you know, and you've probably seen, you know, the stats on this thing, like a multi, you know, omni-channel approach to that is much more pertinent because I might actually read your voicemail because I get all, I'm all transcribed mm-hmm. and I don't get that many voicemails, you know, personally on that. And that's a point of engagement that you have there, which is a good because now I'm seeing you repeatedly on top of that. The ones that do it the best are the ones that are actually like caring about the customer and then thinking about and seeing something and then adding value and then sending an email and doing some due diligence with our marketing team or whatever it is to send that value, you know, to them. Now, again, we sequence, right? Sydney Sloan from Salesloft had a really good talk that she did, you know, at, at one of our conferences and she was talking about there's like the 80-20 rule, right? Like 80% sequence and 20% personalization. And it's where you inject that personalization in there is super, super important. With gifting, it's really important that that's personalized, right? You know, in terms of that. But there are times in, with gifting, you can just, you can do it where like marketing is doing a lot of the follow-ups after events and sending it off on behalf of the SDRs in bulk with a same gift. But remember, it's choose your own. So who cares? It's fine. It's something that's still cool. That's, you know, relevant. That's relevant to the person. And that whole entire process has been really, really nicely connected to between the SDR team and the marketing team. Very good. And now how many SDRs do you have? Right now we have eight SDRs. Okay. And are you aligned more one-to-one? Are you guys geographically? How would you, how do you No, say? it's actually more, it's more two-to-one right now. So two A's to one, one DDR. But we've been playing around with some of the ratios, you know, there as it's gone on. And we have different segments too, right? Like our strategic or enterprise segments different than like our, our commercial segment in terms of how we're approaching that there as well and the different ratios that are there because it's a different motion. Enterprise and strategic is a different motion than mid-market is as you go through it. So we've been trying to build efficiency inside of the sales motion. And that's also something we've been honing in very much on is like train the BDRs, give them a professional development path, you know, we've just, you know, graduated one to an AE, you know, for example, one of our SDRs, you know, turned into a sales enablement, you know, manager. She just was promoted a couple of days ago as well. So we're trying to build that, you know, training and getting them, you know, as much education as possible and really, you know, inquisitiveness and understanding the quality over quantity is really a big piece of it. Well, that's good to hear that that progression is happening. You know, I think a lot of SDR, if not every SDR who comes into the game is looking to springboard into something new. And we always assume that our SDRs are going to move into account executive roles. So it's always, to me, reassuring that we can see an SDR go into other organizations like sales enablement, sales operations, demand gen, you know, customer success even, right? And I think that's the one of the beauties of sales development is you have such a bottom up view of the business where you're able to kind of, and you're so Mm cross-functional that it lends itself to going in a lot of different directions, especially when you layer in the fact that a lot of these SDRs are in the earlier parts of their career, the first few years. And so they could really go in any direction at that point. Not to say that people can't pivot later, but you know, I think an early pivot is probably better for your career choices. What other technology is your SDR team using outside of Alice? What's something that's really helping you guys? And you've mentioned Sixth Sense a lot, but anything yeah, else? Sixth Sense, Sales Navigator, Outreach, Sales Loft, right? The typical, you know, the typical SE, you know, and and stuff. We have Salesforce, obviously, is like the you know, center of truth for everything that we're we're using for CRM. That's there. Where do you get your data? So Sixth Sense is one one place mm-hmm. that we have that. We do have Zoom Info, you know, right now as well in terms of where we're getting getting some of the like you know demographic and. Firmographic data, the technographic technographic, yeah, and those yep, those yep. things are in there. But then there's a lot of other other tools that are laid in there. Like we have Lean Data, you know, as one yeah, that's obviously yeah. there in terms of like you know cleansing data. Data, yeah, that's a big there, one. Right? Yep. We have Gong, obviously, is a huge one for us, and we we have that actually conversational intelligence the, the company. Yeah, we share more Gong calls around the company than you can probably ever imagine. Like I'm always that's my 
probably, you know, super geeky. My wife probably yells at me. She's like listening to me, listen to like a gong call while I'm working out. Yeah, no. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, it's that's good to get your head on the ground, you know, yeah. to hear like what's going on with customers and with the, you know, sales reps and where are we missing the mark or how are we thinking about positioning and, you know, and, and a lot of executives stuff. should heed that advice right there. Maybe not while you're on the treadmill necessarily, but definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. these conversations that we're having in the sales development realm, particularly for this audience, those early conversations are some of the most important moments in your company's history every day. Those conversations, that's where the rubber meets the road. So knowing that we have an executive who's not even from the conversational intelligence space, who's listening to these calls so intently, that's key right there. I think that's every sales leader, every product manager, every customer mm -hmm. success person, we should be listening to the voice of the customer, not just through surveys, but through the, what they're actually saying. Gong and other companies like Gong have made yeah, this tremendously it's easy for us. So it's inspiring to hear that you're so in tune with the business. I've always believed that you know our level of engagement directly correlates to our level of success as leaders. And I bet your team is highly inspired by you being so you know dialed in. I think just one point that you just made, which I think is super important, is mm -hmm. that I don't think companies understand how important those first calls are and how impactful those are. And if the person comes in uneducated and not inspired and whatever it is, how many times we've heard, you know, this is why we spend so much time and we have a smaller number of folks, but we try and be much more efficient, you know, with them. It's not a numbers game, it's a quality game. Like, how do you stand out on those initial calls and how do you put the work in, you know, behind it to be able to drive that through? Absolutely. You know, it's personalization and everything, guys. If you're not going to put some thought into it, don't bother. It's, you know, like mom had always said, if you know, there's nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. You know, if you don't have anything personal to say, you know, let's, let's hold back on that email, hold back on that gift. Greg, this has been phenomenal. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the audience has lots of value here, guys, from how executives are positioning themselves with salespeople, how we're doing personal gifting, the technologies that are at play. Alice is moving and shaking the space. So I really encourage you guys to check them out. Greg, where should they go? I mean, obviously, I think it's the website or where else would you want them to check you out? LinkedIn. Just go on LinkedIn. Greg Siegel. That's my thing. Feel free to send me a, a LinkedIn message. Just make it personal. Just say, you know, <laughs> you put 10 go. bound in it, something, you know what I mean? Sales development podcast, whatever. Like, so ten bound, Derek, a 10 bound sent me. Got done and done. There you go. I'll, I'll look right. at it. Well, Greg, I will let you jump to your next call. Thank you so much for today. And thank you everybody for listening to the 10 bound research labs podcast. You have a good day. Thanks so much, Derek.